If you're tuning in online, we love you guys. We thank you for checking us out this morning. We thank you for tuning in. I'm DJ. This is my wife, Jules, and we get the honor to pastor here at Destiny Church. And here's the thing. We know God's going to show up in a mighty way in your home. He's going to show up in a mighty way this morning. And we started off with worship. So I'm going to pray. We're going to go right into a time of worship. We just pray the Holy Spirit just shows up in your house. Come on. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, God. We love you, Lord. You are so good. We love you. We love you. We love you. Father, you are so great, so wonderful, so powerful. So right now, God, we just lift you up this morning. We praise you this morning, Father. We give you we give you praise this morning, Father God. We just give you all our love this morning. Come on, let's stand up in this place. Come on, stand up in your house. Father, we give you everything this morning, God. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. And Father, we just, we thank you, God. We would just want more of you this morning. So show up in a mighty way. Breathe on us this morning, God. Father, we just thank you and we love you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen in the house. Come on, let's worship together. Come on and praise His name. Come on, come on and 
nothing else will do and nothing else will do and my soul longs for you and my soul longs for you and nothing else will do and nothing else will do and my soul longs for you and my soul longs for you and nothing else will do and nothing else will do Sanctuary. Why don't you make your praise known in this house tonight, this morning? Lord, we lift our voices to you like a trumpet in the sanctuary. There's nobody like you, nobody before you. Who else can forgive me of my sin? Who else can wash me clean? Who else can deliver me, Lord? Nobody but you, nobody but you, nobody but you. Oh, rain on us, Jesus. Rain on us, Jesus. Rain on us, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands all over this room. Oh, rain on us, Jesus. We want you. All I want is 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 you. Come on. 
schools, Jesus. We need rain like never before, Holy Ghost. Rain on sickness. Rain on rebellion, Lord. Rain on your people, Jesus. We need your rain. I'm not happy without your rain, Jesus. I can't live without your rain. I don't want to sing without your rain. I don't want to have church without your rain. I don't want to worship without your rain. We need the rain of the Holy Ghost. 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 We need the rain of the Holy Ghost.
Tell him, you talk to your father this morning. 
in the Old Testament when Elisha was hiding in a cave he thought he was all alone Elijah was hiding in a cave and y'all know the story that the voices came and came in the small right and you know the amazing thing that God told him in that moment because he said look you know they're, they're killing all the prophets I'm all by myself I'm all alone. I'm the only one worshiping. Sometimes I feel like I'm the only one praying. Sometimes it feels like I'm the only one fighting. The more closer I get to you, God, it seems like the more danger there is. I'm the only one standing on the solid rock. It feels like I'm all by myself. Come on, can you identify with that? 
And you know what he says? He says, you ain't alone. Come on, we're in Alabama. I can say ain't, right? You ain't alone. Come on, you can smile. You, you ain't alone. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not alone. You're not alone. He looks at him and he says, go back to the place you came from. He says, go back to the place you came from and light a fire where you left. Amen. Come on, somebody. God's calling a remnant of people who do not care about what people say, who do not, they don't care about the status quo. They don't care about what other, the society is telling them. They are going to follow the mandates of the Word of God. They're going to stand on a mountain and proclaim that Jesus is King, that Jesus is Lord, and there's nobody, nobody that's going to get our worship, nobody that's going to get our affection. It's about Jesus. Come on, somebody shout. He deserves it all. 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 Come on. Come on, you can be spontaneous this morning. Oh, he deserves all my praise, all my worship. He deserves it all. He deserves it all. He deserves it all. He deserves it all. from you are all things and to you are all things he deserves the glory come on say you deserve you are worthy of it all yes you are Jesus you are worthy of it all for from you Lord for from you You deserve the glory. You deserve the glory. Come on, let him know, let him be known, Jesus, you are worthy of all. Yes, you are, Lord, you are worthy of it all. Because it all comes from you. When you, when you realize what's going on in the world, 
when you realize what's happening all over the place, sometimes we get so caught up. We get so caught up in ourselves. We get so caught up in our, our nice, small, little, comfortable zone that, that we forget about all the stuff going on and how worthy he is of our praise. That every single morning we wake up and we breathe and we see and the sun shines and we are worthy to praise him in everything. He is so worthy. We just got to praise him. Oh, and that's how we start it all. And we can't ever forget of how good and how powerful and give him all the glory. Mm. Oh, Father, we just love you, Lord. We thank you just for, for this, Lord, that we can sit here and we can just sit in your presence, that we can worship you, but we can feel your love, we can feel your presence in everything we do. When the storms are coming, when the waves are crashing, you're there. You're our wall. You're our barricade. You're the one that, that picks us up when we fall. You're so worthy. You're so worthy. And what I love about it is that, that he loves to hear that. He loves to hear you shout. He loves to hear the praise. He wants to hear it come out of your mouth. He wants to hear you get loud. This morning, he wants to hear you lift up a shout of praise that the whole world can hear. He wants to be treated like a king this morning. He wants to know you love him this morning. Come on, let's give him all the praise. Come on, we can get louder. Come on, let's give him everything we got this morning. Come on, we love you, Lord. God, he's so good. Mm. And we get to do this. We get to do this. We get to worship him. We get it. It's a privilege to do this. Ah, so, Father, we love you this morning. We worship you this morning. Come on, Father, we give you all the praise this morning. We thank you, God. You're so good. You're so good. Oh, come on, we exalt you this morning, Lord. We give you everything. We want more of you, God. Breathe on us this morning, Father. God, work in this place. Where everybody's at online, work with them online this morning. Come on, Holy Spirit, show up in a mighty way. Show up in a mighty way, God. Make your presence known all across this land, Lord. Come on, we, we need that supernatural healing across our land. Come on, Holy. We declare and decree the freedom, Father God, in this land. Freedom to worship you, Lord. Oh, God, we just love you. Come on, we just, we just give you all the praise this morning, all the honor, all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, come on, we can get louder than that. Come on, let's lift up a shout of praise in the house. Yes, Lord. We thank you, we thank you. Do me a favor, we're going to swap some things out. Stay tuned online. Say hello to somebody you don't know. Give them a kind of high five, you know, fake hug. I don't know, whatever you want to do. Just love on some people. We'll be back in a second.
Good morning, Destiny. How's everybody doing? Come on, come on. We can get louder now. How's everybody doing this morning? There you go. That's better. That's better. Sounds like we got people in the house. Come on. I hope you all are doing great online. We thank you for tuning in. Do me a favor. Share this link. Get it out there. Let everybody know that, that the Lord is present this morning. He's doing wonderful things. And there's going to be people that need to hear this. So share the link. So I don't care if you do it in here, if you're on your, your phone in here, you're on our app, whatever it is, share that stuff. Get it out there. Let people understand uh, what God wants to do this morning. I want to give up. Can we give it up for our worship team this morning? Come on. Come on. Man, I want to give a special thanks to um, not only Pastor Peter Wilcox and your family and your whole remnant family that came out. What a kingdom-minded uh, situation this morning. If you didn't know, our worship team was a blended form, a kingdom church. That's what it's all about. And I thank you for that, brother. I thank you just for your willingness, your willingness to say, man, we're all in this thing together. And I think that's the most important thing. And such a blessing to have you here uh, and just just. Man, just being in here with you is so good, brother. And I thank, I thank you for your whole church, man. Just phenomenal. Um, just just wonderful. And I, I could sit there and talk about that probably for the next 15 minutes, 20 minutes, uh, how much I love that guy back there and just uh, what he does and what he brings. It's nice to have people on the same mind, mindset and, and think in the same way. So I thank you for that, brother. Uh, so good. It's so good. So, you know, I just, uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, I got so many, I got announcements too. This is good. But I know that, for, first off, if you're new here, if you're a guest, do us a favor. Just raise your hand. We'll get you a Connect card. We'll, we want to reach out, let you know we thank you for showing up and, uh, and just send you a letter, good stuff like that. But just thank you. So if you're new, we've got Connect card for you. Just fill that out for us. Um, also, if you're online and you need prayer, we understand we have live prayer team right here. Uh, but if you're online, we do have prayer team uh, members standing by. So we're going to put those numbers up there, take a picture of those, get them out there to them, uh, save them in your phone. They're available for prayer all the time. So uh, please reach out if you need prayer this morning we just want to uh we want to bless you with that we want to be there for you uh, a couple things too our our weekday services uh are back up and running what that means is that our monday night prayer six o'clock right here if you just want to come out and pray and just get in the presence of the lord there is no agenda all we do is to come out we worship we pray and that's it and we just say lord just whatever you want to do so come on out and join us we're going to be here at six o'clock every single monday night uh six o'clock on tuesday we have fat tuesday with pastor daisy come on um she's going to be out here on fat tuesday 6 p.m uh on wednesday we have our kids ministry at 6 and our student ministries at six. Look, here's the cool part. They have all kinds of great things going on and they're taking care of the kids. They're, a lot of safety precautions. Uh, they showed a video last week. Uh, they're just doing a wonderful job making sure your kids are safe. Uh, they opened up this last week. We had like 15 students. It was really good. Um, so come on, you can't, uh, we, the kids are waiting to come back. The students, everybody needs fellowship. Everybody needs to be together in relationship with other people. You cannot do life alone. And you know, the enemy has a way to try to separate everybody and push everybody away and say, you can't do this, but here, get them out. Get them out here. If they want to wear a mask, they can wear a mask. We don't care. Just get them out here because they have to do life together with other students. And, and, and I'm just telling you, that's part of doing this thing. It's part of, it's part of our walk. We, we can't do it alone. Um, next week, so you know, is our baptism. So if you want to sign up, today will be the last day to sign up for that. So we've been advertising that. If you want to get baptized, we're going to do that next weekend. So before you leave today, or if you're watching online, email us, get the word out, call the church. Let us know that you want to get baptized so we can get all that stuff set up and take care of you. All right, I think that's everything I got. So I'm going to pray we're going to get into the word because I'm going to need about five hours of your time today. So let's pray. We'll get, we'll get started. Father, we thank you, God. We love you, Lord. And, 
And Father, we just welcome you in this morning. We thank you for this. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you just uh, that you join us this morning, Father God. So I ask you to speak to my heart, Lord. Let it be all of you and none of me, Lord. Just give me something, Lord, that's going to resonate on the ears of those and in the hearts of those listening, God. We ask you to just bless that word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So, you know, we're in our uh, second week of a series. It's kind of skipped a week, but we're in a, we call it Beatitude Adjustment, and we're in the, the Beatitudes. So a couple weeks ago, we started this off, and we talked about the first Beatitude. Uh, we were gone last week, which was phenomenal, because Pastor Daisy shared an amazing work. Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Daisy. So good. And we, we were in Pensacola visiting our son for the first time in six months. That was a blessing. So, Daisy, I thank you for, for doing that. I know that... I don't even have to have a reason. You'll preach any Sunday. I know that. So I appreciate you and the words you brought about salt in this. I mean, I'm telling you, it was just phenomenal. And she's been teaching on that in fact. So if that interests you, if you were like, I want to know more about that, show up at fact because uh, she's doing amazing things there. Um, but it was great because that's all part of the Sermon on the Mount. And that's what, you know, this is where the Beatitudes come from, this big old sermon where Jesus, you know, walks up and starts preaching uh, to disciples and to other, other followers and other people that are around. So it, that's where we get into this Beatitude. So we're going to focus on those more. Uh, and as I've been studying the Beatitudes, and you can read them and you can study them, but then every time I go back to them, it's just been crushing. It's been crushing. And I, I was warning everybody this morning that it was going to be tough because when you read these things, I just, you, I don't feel worthy like I'm doing everything that, that Jesus said we need to do. And it crushes me thinking that, that, man, it's just, how do I get there? Like, I just want to be better. I just want to be more like him. So every time I read it and I'm studying it and it just, so I've got a lot of stuff today, and I'm, a, I'm not going to try to cover it all. I don't know if I will. I, I appreciate the production team. Um, they, they got a ton of notes yesterday, and they got a ton more notes this morning. Um, it's just how it is. But we, we realize, we call it beatitude adjustment because we realize that, that we need to make adjustments in our life based on the beatitude so we don't become this, uh, so we don't become just so comfortable in what we're doing. So we don't find ourselves kind of in this cruise control mode of, hey, I'm a great Christian and everything's going well, so I don't need to step on the gas at all. I just, I can just keep doing what I'm doing and everything's going to be great. And the whole time Jesus is saying, no, I need more of you. I need more of you. I need you to step it up. I need you to, to, to you know, tap the brake and then go for it. I don't care what it is, but, you know, get out of the cruise control mode. Accelerate. Accelerate in a plan I have for you. Accelerate in what I have for your life. Trust me in this. And he gives us the roadmap to that. That's what I love about the Beatitudes. That's the roadmap that gets you to that, to the kingdom of heaven, to, to how God wants uh, you to move and, and what God wants to do in your life. So we can't be spiritually lazy in our walk, right? So we started a couple weeks ago with the poor in spirit, and we talked about that as almost being bankrupt in the spirit. Right? You've, got, you've got to see yourself as not worthy. Right, You've got to humble yourself. A lot of times we think we know everything. We can get through everything. You know, I've read the Bible enough where, where I'm good. And, and what the first beatitude says and Jesus says is this. He goes, you've got to be poor in spirit. You need to be bankrupt in spirit. You can't do it on your own. So that was the whole message. And if you missed that, that is the foundation. That's where it all starts in the Beatitudes. So do me a favor. That's online. That's on our app. Uh, you know, get out there. If you missed that, watch that because that's the foundation. Everything is going to build off that. That's what I love about the Beatitudes. They're like stepping stones. And, and the first one leads to the second, to the third. And you just can't skip around and pick the ones you want. They all kind of 
blend together and they all kind of walk you across this roadmap of from one step to the next till we get where we want to go. So that's what I love about that. So, um, you know, good part is that when I talk about that roadmap, as long as we understand that Jesus is always the true north, he's the one on the map, he's the one pointing the direction, he tells you where to go, you can't get lost, right? So we stay focused on him, let him do his thing. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to just, I'm going to read through the Beatitudes again in Matthew 5, 1 through 12, Matthew 5, 1 through 12, it'll be on the screen. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when, you, when people insult you, persecute, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Come on, what, these are the building blocks, like I said. And when you read this, you're like, wow, that doesn't even, uh, that doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound like a blessing, okay? But it's a completely different blessing. And, and that's what I love about this. I love how it, it stirs it up. And today we're going to talk about the second beatitude. Uh, so Matthew 5, 4. So blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I like to read it out of the Passion, too, because I love how the Passion kind of flips it. Uh, it gives you a lot different translation. But it says, uh, in the Passion, it says, What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord, for you will find what you long for. When you wait upon the Lord. See, when you wait on God, he's going to show up when you wait on him. And I'm going to get more into that. I'm going to break that down a little bit further as we move into this. But this just seems like such a paradox that, that we're saying in this one that, that you'll be blessed. So those that mourn are blessed, right? So it's a blessing to, to mourn things. It's a blessing to deal with loss. Um, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, especially to me. Uh, because when Jesus walks up, that's what I love about this. When, when Jesus walks up on the mountain and he starts to speak, he flips everything. Completely opposite of what the world says. Completely opposite. So they're like, what is he talking about? What does he mean? Well, this is what I, this is what I hate. It's like, you know, in the world, if you think about this, if you're poor, if you mourn, uh, if you're meek, if you hunger, if you're merciful, these are things that, that, represent weakness in the world, right? So people see that in the world and they go, well, that's kind of weak. You're, you're going to show mercy on somebody. You remember a, a karate kid, you know, was it the Cobra Kai? No mercy. Like, like come on. It's, it's, you can't show mercy. I remember my dad when I was growing up, he said, he said you, you have to be the first one in a fight. So my dad would force me to fight people. Because he said, he said, you're not going to be beat down. You're not going to be weak. You're, you're going to be strong because you need to be strong in the world. You need to be able to, to, to not take anything from anybody. So every opportunity, my dad would push me into those opportunities. You don't think that sounds right when your dad's around you, but he would find ways. He would find ways to, um, to push me in a situation uh, to make sure that, that I could defend myself instead of letting the, the Lord defend 
me. But I didn't know the Lord back then, so that's good stuff. So I thank my dad for, for the lesson, um, for what you taught me, dad. That's wonderful. But we're blessed. Uh, we're blessed when we walk through this, and it just doesn't make sense. I love what Paul says in uh, first, first Philippian, or I'm sorry, Philippians 1, 21. It says, for to, for to me to live in Christ and to die, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So basically what he's saying is that to die is gain. Kind of ties into this whole backwards thinking. To die is gain. So what you're saying is that, that, that the biggest gain of my life is going to be when I die. When, when I die to myself. When I die to, to, to the world and say, Lord, I want all of you. It's no longer about me when I die. And then I think when I actually physically die, which really I don't think there's a death. There's just a moment of, of then I'm staring at his face. And I'm just thinking about that going to die is gain. I get to be in the presence of Jesus. You get to see him face to face. That's the gain. But in this world, we got to die to ourselves. We got to die to ourselves and everything that we think is right and everything the world says is right. And when we die to that, there's gain when the Holy Spirit starts moving. You know, it's, I, I read this somewhere. And I can't remember where it was, but um, I just thought it was good that um, the devil when I think of devils and I think of the devil and I think of demons, I think that their job is to keep us alive. Their job is to keep us alive. If we die, they lose, right? Because we already, we already know Jesus, right? So if we die, they lose. They don't have an opportunity to torment us anymore. None of that stuff. It's like, so, so the enemy wants us alive. The enemy wants to torment us. The enemy wants us here. So when we die, it's over with. That's a loss to them. I love it. So we, we can beat down the enemy by dying to ourselves. Come on. It's so good. And, and some non-believers, they just don't understand that. They, it doesn't make sense to them that, that we're just in this body temporarily. It doesn't make sense to them that this is just a, a minute portion of eternity. <laughs> this is a speckle. Just, and God says, uh, this, you know, this is just a little bit. And then we start eternity. I mean, just thinking of that. Um, kind of excites me, let you know, because I know all the pain in the world and what's going on, and it excites me to know that that on the other end of this, man, there's going to be glory and there's going to be peace and there's going to be comfort constantly. James one two says, "Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds." Man, that goes right with this. It's like consider it joy to face trials. Consider it joy to mourn. Consider it joy for all that. So now I'm supposed to be joyful when all these things happen. I'm supposed to be happy. Hmm. And when I see that and when I think about that, I always wonder, well, how is that, Lord? But then, you know what? When things happen to you, uh, when, when life happens to you and you find yourself curled up in a ball and you're crying out to Jesus and the Holy Spirit shows up, you understand the joy that comes in him wrapping his arms around you and loving on you when he's the only one that can do it. He's the only one. I've got a lot of scripture today because I just, man, I was studying. It just kept coming and coming. So I'll cover a lot of stuff, and I'll try to go through this a little bit, but I'll get to a point in a second. You know, 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, 
It says, but he said to me, says Paul, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It just keeps going like that. When you start reading these things, you say every time it's the exact opposite of what you think. When I am weak, then I am strong. Why? Because I have the power of the Holy Spirit and the comfort of the Holy Spirit all over me, all around me, loving on me, picking me up. The strength comes through him. He is the strength. Here's the thing. When you're going through things in life, God's going to use your situation. You know, we've mentioned that a couple times, but you need to understand that, that God uses your situation to prove to unbelievers when they see you going through a mess, when they see everything flipped upside down in your life, when they see loss, when they see mourning, when they see grief, when they see, you know, all these things that can potentially happen to you in life, when they happen, guess what? God uses it. Because, I mean, it's not unfortunate. I'm not going to use that. He loves us so much but we belong to him and we're his kids. So guess what? Our life, he's going to use situations in our life. And unfortunately, we're the ones that are going to live through that. But he's going to use that to get other people to understand who he is. It's not about us. It's about him. So when you go through stuff, other people go, how did you make it through that? How do you have faith right now? Continue to have faith through everything you're going through. How is it possible? And that's what gets people thinking, man, who is your God? I need to know him. I need some of that power. You know, I think about this. I have uh, some friends that when I used to teach at the academy down here, we had uh, within the first two years I was there, uh, this, this man and uh, this, this guy comes to me. He's an instructor with me. And his son was 12, and he was diagnosed with the Ewing sarcoma cancer. Twelve. And he asked for prayers, and, and, and we were all praying for him. And his son went through, you know, chemotherapy and all this stuff. Uh, he was 12. He graduated high school last year. Okay? So, so it, it was gone, completely gone. Yeah, we can, we can clap for that because that's good. And then you get excited over that and you start, he's living his life and he's driving his car and he's going, getting ready to go to college. And he just texted me the other day, and he went back into the doctor, and now it's spread through his spine and through his, through his, you know, all through his body. And you know what? Here's what they said. Just pray for us. God has this. I didn't think of that. And I go, well, what kind of faith does it take to look that in the eyes and say, you know what, Lord, all you. Your power. We're not even going to worry about it. She said, my son's okay. He said, let's go. Let's go get this thing. And she goes, if my son's okay, I'm okay. And God has this thing under control. And all you see is a prayer chain of people just praying for them. And you go, why? <laughs> why? But here's what's happening. Everybody that's watching this, they're going, look at the faith. Look how God keeps showing up and showing up and showing up. Their faith so strong. I just, it spreads faith. 
When your faith is that strong, it spreads faith. It is hard to contain that when people see that, when people see it. So what's, what's Jesus referring to when he says mourning? Because this catches a lot of people as we get into this. Um, mourning defined, you know, is, is really feel or show deep sorrow or regret for or about something. For or about something. Could be a loss of something. Could be a loss of a loved one. Uh, but the Greek word here to, that's used here to mourn is uh, pentheo. It's the strongest word for mourning that you can use in the Greek language. Strongest one. So if I think of that, if I think of this, I think of this is the ugly cry morning. This is the, my heart is crushed. I can't contain it with a tissue. It's an ugly cry. I'm crying out to God. Only him. That's the morning that we're talking about here. That's the morning. It's a deep sorrow, right? It's a deep sorrow. And this is, what, this is what I don't get about it because Jesus says, he doesn't say blessed are those that have mourned. He says blessed are those who mourn. It's present tense. It's pre so you're not blessed because you're over the morning. You're blessed in the morning. And it's a continuous thing. See, you got to think of the definition of mourning a little different. Like you're, some of you, like me, you're probably saying, why well, I never lost somebody that close to me. That's not what I'm talking about. That's a type of mourning, and it's covered in the Bible, and I'll break that down here in a second. But this is a deep, deep mourning that even you who have never lost somebody in your life have felt this over something. But it's a continuous state. It doesn't mean that continuously, like, we walk around sobbing, like, ooh, always to the Christians, look at them, they're just walking around pouting. No, it's the continuous thought of, God, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I, I hate what I've been through. I hate what I've done. I need you. Because here's the problem. We're supposed to be joyful. We're supposed to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. Right? So we're called to be joyful. Not sorrowful, sorrowful, but here's the thing. We should be continuously mourning. I'm going to break it down in a second. Hang in there. See, I'm going to try to keep you guys as long as I can. <laughs> but it really breaks it down to how our sins against God crush him. And when you think about it that way, your sins. And I know we're all Christians, so you're all like, oh, I don't sin anymore. Your sins crush God's heart crush him he weeps for you that's what I'm talking about all that walking around and crying out to him in your time where you can just weep and go Lord I'm sorry I'm sorry because even it, that's how Jesus was I mean, if you really read about Jesus' life, it was actually prophesied over. So if you go to Isaiah, um, Isaiah 53.3, it says that he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. So that was prophesied. And then when Jesus came, that's how he was. But here's what you don't understand. He also brought joy and peace and comfort. I've heard people say, well, Jesus doesn't even laugh in the Bible. 
Oh, come on. He had all the kids coming to him. He was so joyful. He was one of those people you wanted to be around. People wanted to be around him. He wasn't walking around moping, but he knew that he didn't like what he saw. He didn't like how people lived. He didn't like dealing with the pain and the hurt because he felt everything we feel. He was all human, all God. So he could feel what you feel. He understands it. He understands it. So that's it. God doesn't want you walking around in that, that mopey face. God wants us to produce. Right? He wants us to do um, what he asked us to do, and that's produce fruit in our life. And Jesus said in, in John 15, 8, it says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So mourn consistently, but bear much fruit. <laughs> so we've got to find that. We've got to find that medium. That's for us to work out, right? So what's the, the, the meaning of mourning? So I think when you um, first see it, you know, mourners um, are those, I guess the mourners that are blessed, and you need to understand this, the mourners that are going to be blessed are those that are poor in spirit. It's a building block. So if you can't humble yourself before God and be poor in spirit, he's not going to bless you when you mourn. It's a building block. So you got to be poor in spirit. You got to realize you can't do it on your own. All right. It's like a, a math equation. You miss, miss a piece of it, you're not going to get the right answer. Okay, you got to be poor in spirit. And then when you mourn, while you're poor in spirit, he's going to show up and he's going to bless you. He's going to comfort you. So what that tells you is not everybody that mourns is comforted. And that's sad. That should bring a, a hurt to your heart to think that there's people out there that don't know Jesus. And when they go through troubles that you see other people go through, they're not feeling the comfort that you feel or people you know feel. She got to be poor in spirit. So humbling ourselves is the recognizing of our own characters and our own failings, right? That we're spiritually bankrupt. And then, then mourning is the feeling that follows that. See, going before God and realizing that I'm not everything. You are everything. And you humble yourself before him. The feeling after you do that, that's mourning. That emotional state after that, when you finally surrender to God, that's mourning. That's mourning. So when you have the right type of mourning in your life, it leads to repentance. And that's important. It's hard to repent from something if you don't mourn it. Okay? Because repentance isn't a one-time thing either. That's a continual experience. Constantly. Hmm. So this is a continuous process as Christians. We learn as we go and as we grow uh, and we mourn and we repent and we move through that. Eventually, guess what? We're, we're, that's discipleship. We're going through. We're getting better. We're getting better. But what you realize is that you still have plenty to mourn about. <laughs> you can go through that for years and you realize I still have plenty to repent from, plenty to mourn. So it's never ending. So let's get into this morning a little bit. The Bible describes three types of mourning. I'm going to touch on each of them just to kind of explain them because I believe that the third one we get to is really what we're going to be talking about. Um, but I think it, it relates to a lot of things because we'd get comfort through all three of these. 
And the Bible mentions all three, so we'll talk about them. We have what we call a natural mourning or grief. This is personal mourning. This is over loss, either of a loved one or a situation. This is a, a loss. Like a mother may mourn her children when they go off to college. That's normal. Or if they go to the military, right? Or they just move out of the house. A mother will mourn that. That's, that's normal. Not saying dads don't. But moms will. Like mom's the comforter, right? When those kids move away, there's a loss. So there's a mourning. You understand? That's a personal loss. Also, I'll share a, a personal story. Of loss because it doesn't tie into that or death. But you know, when I was a kid, when I was seven, I lived with my mom, and it wasn't a good situation. My biological mom, right? The only thing that I had stability in my life was a mouse. It was a little stuffed animal mouse. It was my only blanket of security. We didn't go to church. I had nothing. My mom lived in a bar. We had drugs in our house all the time. That's the only thing I had, and I kept. I I slept with it. I care. It was my comfort. I couldn't go anywhere without it. And I remember I snuck down to go fishing at this big dam in, in a little town we lived in. And we didn't have a lot of money, so I had fishing line in one. I had a hook in the other, a little weight. I'd dig up one worm, walk 20 minutes with a worm so I could go fish, and then figure out how to get more bait. I remember I was pulling the hook out of my pocket, and the mouse fell out and flew into the water. We're talking 20 feet of water. And I remember watching it float down. And I remember being crushed. Crushed. Crying. My brother was looking at me. My older brother. Like, what do you want me to do? Crushed. I couldn't jump in. So I just watched it float down. I still see the image in my mind. It was my only comfort in my life. For years, that bothered me. Because I didn't have a dad in my life. I didn't have anything else in my life. That was the only thing that was a constant. It was a loss. And, I, and that was mourning to me as a kid, at seven. I was mourning at seven because I lost something that I absolutely loved. That had everything for me. You know, yesterday we got to celebrate the life of Sharon Carden's son, Justin. We got to do his celebration of life. That's mourning. That's the loss of a loved one. Okay, and, and God shows up in all these things. And he shows up in a mighty way to comfort us when we give it to him, when, when, we, when we turn it over to him. You see it in the Bible, even, you know, with that, with mourning of a loved one. Think about Mary weeping over Lazarus. You can go to John 11, 33 through 35. And you pick it up where, where Jesus sees her. And it says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. See, Jesus was really good friends with them. I know he's God. He's, but he had a relationship with them. He loved them. Even though he knew what the next result was going to be, he loved them. Right? So, so here is Mary and Martha. They're weeping. And everybody with them is weeping. And Jesus wept. But Jesus wept a little different. He's angry. Okay? He's angry over the grief. He's, anger. he's angry over death. Even though he knows he's going to go raise him from the dead. He already knows what he's going to do. He's still angry. 
still, there's still loss. Then when you keep on reading, you see why they had to go through the mourning. See, that's mourning. They had to go through it for a reason. Pick it up in John 11, 41 through 44. It says, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this, for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So that they may believe. And when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. He knew what was going to happen, but he also knew that they had to go through a mourning process, right? To see the miracle so they could believe. Because if you understand what happens to Lazarus after that, he's going with Jesus. And people want to be around him because of who he is. I think it even states, uh, there's somewhere in there, I think he meets up with Paul and them later on. I can't remember the name of where they meet up, but they say he potentially met up with them and, and, and did some stuff. But I'm telling you, they mourned him. They mourned the loss. But because of that, guess what? They got to believe. They got to understand the true Jesus, the, to see God work in a mighty, mighty way. So if they didn't go through the mourning, they would never believe Sometimes we have to go through stuff. But it's a deep mourning. And I've never been through that other than my mouse until four years ago. But I've never lost somebody in my family that deep. We lost my niece, which was tough, but it wasn't somebody close. But four years ago, when I got in a car accident, and I'll share this because I think it's important that you understand how the Holy Spirit shows up. I was in a car accident And this young lady that was 21 that hit me, we hit head on, and she was killed. And I remember getting out of the truck when I came to and laying my hands on her and praying and praying. I was mourning. I was weeping. God, please. I was checking her pulse. I was doing everything I could, everything. And I remember laying down in the street and just crying out to God, crying out. And this is, this is what, what you need to hear because during that cry out, a white truck pulls up with three people in it, two male, one female, wearing painter's outfits, all white painter's outfits. And they came over and they picked me up and they prayed over me. They prayed over me and I felt this instant cure, this instant comfort, this, this love that I've never felt before, right? And then I wake up in the ambulance There's no painters anywhere. Nobody saw somebody in a truck. The cop that was there said, I was the first one on the scene. So explain to me how the Holy Spirit can't move and the Holy Spirit, they can't send angels and angels can't show up and comfort you and the Holy Spirit can't be there to comfort you in the times when you're in need because it happened. It happened and that's mourning, that's grief. It wrecked me. Can I tell you that? It wrecked me for weeks. I couldn't get out of my chair. I was coming, and, and I was so wrecked over the fact that that happened. Could I have done anything, Lord? Could I have helped in any way? If I would have just done this, if I would have just done that. Then when you turn it over to God, he comes in, and he just clears it up. And it's not that you don't think about it, but there's a love. There's, there's a, a presence of the Holy Spirit that just hugs you and loves you and walks you through it. 
but that's how it is. So when you mourn, when you mourn a personal mourning like this, a loss, you need to understand that, that what gets you through that is the, the understanding of the resurrection, knowing that, that the Holy Spirit and God, that, that, that these people that, the, the, the people that are, are gone in your life and the people that have moved on in your life, guess what? They're in eternity. So that's the comfort, knowing. And it's, it's, it's very hard as you walk through that in the, in the physical world. Uh, when you lose somebody, you lose somebody. And it's, it hurts, and it does. But knowing what the Bible says, knowing who our God is and what happens to them afterwards is so important because that's what brings the comfort of knowing where they're at, whose face they're looking into. So that's the comfort that comes. So even in this, even though I don't believe this is what it's pertaining to, it's a morning in the Bible that you need to understand the Holy Spirit shows up in a mighty way when you do that. That is a type of morning, and the Holy Spirit will show up and comfort you in that morning. The second type it talks about is this hopeless sorrow, this sorrow for the sins of the world. I call it social mourning, the sins of the world, what we're going through. The, the, the current state of our world, the hatred, the racism, all that stuff, the stuff that's happening out there, the sins of the world and how it's destroying, destroying the world, child trafficking, famine, slavery. It's out there everywhere. It's called social mourning. You know, just people that never hear the gospel. You know how many people across the world has never heard the gospel? It's called social mourning. And you see it in the Bible. You see Jesus cry out over Jerusalem. You see it in Matthew 23, 37 through 39. And he cries out. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together. As a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you are not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus mourns over the people of the city, the sins of the city. It wasn't personal. It was social. It was social. You'll see it again. It's all over the, I'm going to do a couple more. Ezra, if you go to, to, to Ezra 9, 5 and 7. It says, then at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my self-abasement with my tunic and cloak torn and fell on my knees with my hands spread out to the Lord, O God, or Lord, my God, and prayed. I am too ashamed and disgraced, my God, to lift up my face to you because our sins are higher then our heads and our guilt has reached to the heavens from the days of our ancestors until now our guilt has been great because of our sins. We and our kings and our priests have been subject to the sword and captivity to pillage and humiliation at the hand of the foreign kings as it is today. He's crying out because his people disobeyed God. The sins of other people, he's crying out for that. You'll see it again with David. David cries out in Psalms 119, 36. It says, streams of tears flow from my eyes, for the law is not obeyed. Streams of tears. And the passion, it says, when I witness the rebellious breaking your laws, it makes me weep uncontrollably. 
So when's the last time you weeped uncontrollably for the sins of the world? As a Christian, when's the last time you walked out of your bubble, out of your safety net, out of your house, out of your little church, and said, you know what, we're good, everything's good in my life. When's the last time you thought about what's going on in the world and weeped and cried and cried out because of what's happening? That's social mourning. I don't know where we'd be without that kind of mourning. We should be mourning that. This is why I like missions. Local, national, international. So important. We complain about our conditions in our life here in America. We're so privileged. I don't care where. If you're sitting in this room, you're privileged. You're privileged. If you live in the States, you're privileged. But we, we cry about those things and, 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 and we complain about everything in our life. And there's people that don't even understand. They can't even fathom having three meals a day. That's the morning. That's the social morning. When's the last time you thought about that? And not just about yourself. So how can we do more? How can we do more? Here's the thing. If you want to resemble Jesus, you need to be mourning more things. Because he worried about it all. He worried about it all. I do love the fact we do support missions, and I know I, I love this. I, I'm going to share this. I just heard it the other day and, um, from Kevin, and I'll just share a little bit of it because I love the heart of his kids, the fact that, that they realize that you know, our student ministry supports uh, an orphan, and every Wednesday this, the ministry gives to, to support this, um, this individual. Call him T, I think is his, is his nickname. Um, his daughters decided that they wanted to save all their money, everything they get, because the orphanage doesn't have a playground. And he says they're saving all their money so that they can build a playground for orphans in Africa. And how, many, how old is, is Nis? I think she's six. I think one of them, Mamalo, you might know more than I know. All I know is this, when your kids are conditioned that way, when your kids are thinking about other people more than themselves, hmm, that's what we're talking about. That's how we get closer to our walk with him. But here's the thing, when you mourn, you'll feel comfortable. When you mourn the world, there is comfort coming. That comfort comes in Revelations 21, 4. Where he says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Man, there's some comfort there. You can only do so much. You give the rest to God and then the comfort comes knowing what's, what's around the corner. And this third thing we'll talk about is our godly sorrow. This is the sorrow for our sins. 
spiritual brokenness. And this is where it really breaks down. I believe this is what they're talking about. A spiritual mourning. When you read, blessed are those who mourn. It's a spiritual mourning. We're going to sit here for a second. This is where you, you grieve and you mourn over your personal sin. This is the mourning he's talking about. When you confess your sins to God. When you actually take a look at what your sins cost other people. When the stuff you did or the stuff you do and the way you think affects people around you. Because that will break you. That will put you in a state where the only one that can comfort you is the Lord. The only one. And that's when you're blessed. When you cry out to God because of the sins in your life. That's when the comfort comes. So when's the last time you actually cried out to God because of your sin? When's the last time you just dropped to your knees and said, Lord, I'm so sorry. And there's a lot of people that say, hey, that's been forgiven. Don't think about it again. But I'm telling you, you got to remember these things. And you gotta, you got to give it to God all the time. This is a constant, a constant cry out. You see it with Isaiah, Isaiah 51, 1 through 4. He cries out. I'm going to read it from the Passion. And it says, God, give me mercy from your fountain of forgiveness. I know your abundant love is enough to wash away my guilt because your compassion is so great. Take away the shameful guilt of sin. Forgive the full extent of my rebellious ways and erase the deep stain on my conscience. For I am so ashamed. I feel such pain and anguish within me. I can't get away from the sting of my sin against you, Lord. Everything I did, I did right in front of you, for you saw it all. Against you and you above all have I sinned. Everything you say to me is infallibly true. And your judgment conquers me. Spiritual mourning. Godly sorrow. Crying out because of who you are and what you've done. Here's the thing. Once again, it's impossible to mourn spiritually if you haven't been spiritually bankrupt. If you hadn't been poor in spirit and said, God, I can't do it. It all ties together. It starts there and that, that lines everything up. You got to be humble. And when you realize how that sin crushes God, then it leads to that repentance. It leads you to the ultimate comfort. Think of it like this. You ever had your kids um, get hurt or something bad happens to them, they run to mom. Mom's the comforter. Mom's the one that wraps their arms around. Nothing special there. It's comfort. I want a hug. I want it. You probably see it when you look at, uh, if you ever watch movies from, from World War II on D-Day, they're crying out to their mom as they're laying there dying. Why? Because they want to be comforted. That's us seeking God. 
We just want to be comforted. When things are happening in our life, we cry out to the one that can comfort us. The Holy Spirit can wrap his arms around us. And you experience that when you cry out to him. It's different, though, because in the Beatitudes, Jesus tells us that we can't seek comfort the same way the world seeks comfort. See, the world will find different ways to seek comfort. I've been there. I've been there where I thought it was better to take a drink than, than anything else. There's, there's ways the world teaches you to comfort yourself. He teaches us not that way. <laughs> he says comfort comes from God. Sometimes we, we think it comes from our selfish ambitions, excuses, self-justification. But it says, blessed are those who mourn over their own sin. So Isaiah 66, 2 says, these are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. So that's it. When we agree with God about how bad sin is and we confess it to him and we repent from it, then he comforts us. So that's the blessed, the, the morning that leads to repentance. You see it displayed when Paul writes to the church in Corinth. We got in 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 10. It says, even if my letter made you sorrowful, I don't regret sending it. Even though I felt awful for a moment when I heard how it grieved you. Now I'm overjoyed, not because I made you sad, but because your grief led you to a deep repentance. You experienced godly sorrow, and as God intended, it brought about gain for you, not loss, so that no harm has been done by us. God designed us to feel remorse over sin in order to produce repentance that leads to victory. This leaves us with no regrets, but the sorrow of the world works death. right there I don't know how to better explain that when you cry out to him and repent I guess it's better I can describe it this way it's more of an intrinsic morning and not an extrinsic morning so intrinsically I want to mourn inside I want my heart to break I want that needs to hurt inside because extrinsic morning is when I just you see me crying out there's a lot of people they can walk around and go, I'm sorry, Lord, and keep doing the same stuff. It's that godly sorrow, intrinsic, versus worldly sorrow, extrinsic. So regret is part of repentance, right? But here's the thing. The emotion, the, the, the emotion of sorrow itself is not repentance. See, a lot of people will feel bad when something happens. That's not repentance. That might lead to regret that will turn into repentance, but that's not repentance. See, worldly sorrow is more concerned with the punishment or the consequences. 
So you see that all the time. I mean, if you, uh, you really look at that, this worldly sorrow, um, say somebody goes out drinking and they get in their car and they drive drunk and they get a DUI and they end up in jail. There is a worldly sorrow right there when they wake up in the morning and they've got a headache from a hangover and they're going, man, I wish I wouldn't have got caught. I could have made it. That's that worldly sorrow. The godly sorrow is the other side that says, wow, Lord, I disappointed you. I made you weep. It's that godly sorrow that leads to change. See, unfortunately, that worldly sorrow, that's just temporary. How many people will go through that, come out and go back to doing the same exact thing? Because they're worried about the consequences. I'm sorry, I'm just, there's so much. Well, I love what it says. I'm going to go back to this uh, Matthew 5, 4 in the Passion I really want to touch on this. And it says, what delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord? For you will find what you long for. Same verse, just in the passion. When you wait upon the Lord. Lord, Here's the thing. It takes time to mourn over your sins. It takes time. That's what it means. It means you'll wait upon the Lord. So when you repent and you mourn over what's going on. Excuse me. What's going on in your life. And what you did. And you cry out to God, it takes time to feel that. It takes time for change to happen. So you need to wait on the Lord and allow him to work in your life. See, many people will quickly um, tag themselves as a sinner and God forgive me and then just move on. They don't take time to let the Holy Spirit move in them and change them. what leads to a lot of this is really a society problem, this sin. And, and it's all over the place, but I really want to touch on this because I think it's the, the definition of sin has changed throughout the years, unfortunately, and the word hasn't. But society has changed. Generational, what was used to be good or actually what used to be bad years ago is considered perfectly okay now. You see it in the world. So we do this to ourselves. We, we offer up the sin, the world does, and says it's okay. Why? Because the world does it. Just look at movies. You know, a PG movie used to be really good. You don't want to watch PG movie anymore. But, but because of what society says, rated R movie, it says 17. How many parents let their kids watch rated R movies? It won't hurt them. It's just this. What it does, it conditions us to not see sin as bad. What it does is shows us when there's murder and stuff, it reduces the value of life. When you watch movies and shows where, where people are just shooting people and killing people, our kids grow up going, it happens all the time. What's so bad about it? But we allow that in. We allow it into our lives because we go, that's what my kids' friends watch. It's okay. It's okay for them to see that. Oh, the language, who cares? It's just that's normal now. 
all the video games, with all the stuff you can do on video games. But that's what all the kids have. So parents give in, and it leads to sin. And then we wonder why there's so much sin in the world. Because we've conditioned ourselves to say it's okay. The Bible doesn't say that, but we've said that's what society says. Society says it's okay. We tolerate it. We almost celebrate it. Because society doesn't mourn sin. They, they mourn those who mourn sin. That's how it works. They go, you don't know what you're missing. I feel bad for you. I don't want to know what I'm missing. I knew what I was missing. And it wasn't good. And then with internet and social media, you go on and on. our society just adapts to it. And then, then we, what we do is we throw out the fact that, well, we have no freedoms then. You can't tell us we can't do that because then I don't have freedoms and we have the right to do whatever we want in America. So why can't we? Well, because <laughs> it's sin and you're going to have to answer for it. You're going to have to answer for it. Because you know what the penalty for sin is? Death. So what are you allowing into your families? What are you allowing into all that stuff? What are you allowing into the minds of your kids? Because you're teaching them that sin is okay. Nobody likes to talk about sin. But I'm telling you, sin is bad. You need to talk about it. You need to talk about it with your kids. You need to let them know the consequences. So parents, you have a responsibility to raise your kids in a godly manner. You know, I love it when we do baby dedications. We're getting ready to do some more, I think, in August. I'm not sure. My wife's not looking at me. She might not know either. I think there's some coming up. But you know what I love about baby dedications is the fact that I get to sit up here and challenge parents and say, are you going to raise your kids in a godly home? And they say, yes. But then I challenge the church. And are you going to help them raise their kids in a godly home? See, what are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you putting in your head? What are you allowing your kids to do? That's what's, that's what's growing our society the way it is. We're turning into a godless society, a society that does. We can go to church on Sunday and we can read about what God wants, but we don't have to do it when we walk out the door. Like I got my little moment. I walked into church, got blessed for the week. We'd go out, do whatever we want, come back in. I'll just give it back to God, and we're good. That's what we turned into. Unfortunately, as humans, we like to learn by a bad experience. Isn't that funny how we learn the best when it's a bad experience? That's the problem. <laughs> we don't learn by the good experiences. I wish we could just talk about this with our kids, and they would never make a mistake. <laughs> that would be so much easier. <laughs> Remember when I told you that? Yes, I will never do that. I wish it would work that way with us. Not just our kids. We wait on something to happen negative so we can change our habits. We can change what's going on. So in other words, instead of eating right, right, we, we wait until our pants don't fit or we have health problems. <laughs> I just buy elastic waste. <laughs> That's the trick. See, I, I can't. I, 
I can have an eating problem just by stretchy pants. Here's the thing. You don't quit smoking until you're on oxygen. And some people, they're on oxygen smoking. People don't stop drinking until they get a DUI. And look, I'm not saying, I mean, yes, look, that stuff's bad for you. That's why you shouldn't do it. So we just ignore the bad stuff until we're dealing with all the consequences. Then we're ready to change. The consequences wake us up a little bit when you find out your liver shot or you have to take medicine the rest of your life. But blessed are those that mourn, for they are comforted. So, you know, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. John 14, 16, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. That he he made, he may abide with you forever. The comforter, the Holy Spirit in you, always with you. Second Corinthians talks about it too. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all, all our troubles so that we may comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So when you, re- you go through pain, when you go through loss, when you go through this mourning season, you're growing. And it gives you the capability to also help and pour out to people who, who are going through it. it. You help. The Holy Spirit does it, but you help. Why? Because you went through it. So we're better for it. We're better for it. Kind of wraps it right back around. It's totally opposite of what the world says. But we're better when we mourn. We're better when we go through it. I love what Psalms 32 says. And I'm going to read Psalms 32 out of the Passion. But it's like poetry. This is David. This is after he is confessing his sin for adultery. And he says, how happy and fulfilled are those who rebellion, whose rebellion has been forgiven, those whose sins are covered by blood. How blessed and relieved are those who have confessed their corruption to God, for he wipes their slates clean and removes hypocrisy from their hearts. Before I confessed my sins, I kept it all inside with dishonesty, devastated my inner life. My dishonesty devastated my inner life, causing my life to be filled with frustration irrepressible anguish and misery. The pain never let up for your hand of conviction was heavy on my heart. My strength was sapped. My inner life dried up like a spiritual drought within my soul. Then I finally admitted to you all my sins, refusing to hide them any longer. I said, my life giving God, I will openly acknowledge my evil actions and you forgave me. All at once, the guilt of my sin washed away and all my pain disappeared. This is what I've learned through it all. All believers should confess their sins to God. Do it every time God has uncovered you in a time of exposing. For if you do this, when sudden storms of life overwhelm, you'll be kept safe. Lord, you are my secret hiding place, protecting me from these troubles, surrounding me with songs of gladness. Your joyous shouts of rescue release my breakthrough. I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. 
I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn when I take you where you've not been before. Don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. So my conclusion is this. Many are the sorrows and frustrations of those who don't come clean with God. But when you trust in the Lord for forgiveness, his wraparound love will surround you. So celebrate the goodness of God. He shows this kindness to everyone who is his. Go ahead and shout for joy, all you upright ones who want to please him. Man, you just read that a couple times. And that'll put you in your seat and it'll make you start wondering, where is my relationship? What do I need to cry out for? So you see it here, motivated by regret, David recognized, confessed, and acknowledged his sins. See, God shows kindness to everybody that's his. But you got to be his and you got to be humble in spirit. You got to surrender it to him. See, he shows the spirit comforts those who mourn personal loss of someone or something. The spirit comforts those who mourn the, the social, social mourning, those that, that, that mourn the wrongs of the world. And the spirit comforts those who mourn their own sin and humble themselves before him. And those who hide their sin or try to justify it before God never know the comfort that comes with a pure heart when you surrender to him. Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team up. Because I want to go back into a time of worship. I want to go into a moment where you can cry out to God. And I want to have, you know, I want to give you that opportunity as we begin to worship to just say, you know what, Lord? <laughs> I'm a wreck. Forgive me. Take it all. And for some people, um, that could be a major sin in your life. For other people, it could be something minute to what other people think is, is sin. But to you, it's sin. And we need to cry out to God. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for everybody. And, and I believe this is the time when, when you can honestly feel his presence the most. But that's a reaction to your action. You've got to take that step. You've got to say, you know what? I'm done, Lord. No more of me. All of you. I can't do it on my own. So I want to pray for everybody in this room, everybody watching online as we prepare to worship. just want to pray for those that, that are listening today. So, Father, we love you, God, and we thank you, Lord. And, Father, we come to you and we cry out to you with our sins, Lord. We give it all to you. We confess everything to you, God. And, Father, you see the hearts, you see the minds, you see those people in this room, the people online, Lord, the ones that have just been caught up in stuff they cannot shake free on their own. So, Lord, I ask you to move in a mighty way right now. Make your presence known in their place and in this house. The comforter, Lord. Come on, Holy Spirit, just show up in a mighty way. 
Father, I pray they have the, the, the ability to release it to, to you, God. Not to be ashamed, not to worry, but, Father, just to cry out to you and to worship you. You know, I love what the song, Holy Water. Mm. I love that song, and I love the, the chorus in that where it says, I don't want to abuse your grace, but, God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. It says, your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. It's like the sound of the symphony to my ears. It's like holy water on my skin. So, Father, we ask you to show up in a mighty way this morning. Father God, just cover us. Cover us this morning. Cover those hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. For some people here, you know what? Before we go in, there's going to be people that need to know God. You don't even know him. You're watching online, and you've never experienced his love. You don't know what it's like. You've never experienced it, but you want to know. And you've been going through it all on your own. Well, today's your day. Today's the chance. I just need you to surrender it all to God. There might be people in this room that are saying, you know what? It's been a long time, and I need to, to recommit. I need to surrender again. The Bible says that in Romans 10, 9, 10, and if you declare with your mouth Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, that you will be saved. That's the starting point. This is the time when you can cry out to him. Allow him to start stirring something up in your heart. When you can confess your sins. And when he'll come in and comfort you. So if that's you, if you're online, say this at home. Here, here in the sanctuary, everybody here, we're going to pray this out loud. We're going to say this together. We're going to speak it. And we're going to believe it. So repeat after me. Jesus, I need you. I kept you out of my life for too long. Can't do it on my own. Change me. Come into my life. Be my Savior. I know you died on the cross and you rose again just for me. Today, I surrender my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, y'all. I'm excited knowing that people just said that for the first time, first time in a long time. I know there's people online, but here, I want you to enter in right now. You're going to enter into his presence. We're going to surrender it to him. We're going to confess our sins. You're going to take this moment to just cry out to God. We're just going to cry out. So I'm going to turn it over to the worship team. I want you to get ready to worship. I want you to, look, we have this full space up front. If you want to come up front, you can come up front. It's yours. The prayer team will be here if you want prayer at any time. But I want them worshiping too. We're just going to surrender everything to God. We're going to give it to him. Come on, let's worship.
Take me back. 
think this is that moment where you you receive <laughs> and you just get to get in his presence and and let the healing take place and just let the lord work on your heart let the holy spirit move in your heart this is what you seek this is what you want all the time and we're going to continue to worship as long as we want but i wanted you to know you're welcome to stay uh, we will have our prayer team up here i just know that uh Man, if you're already in this moment right now where the, where the Holy Spirit's working on your heart, don't leave that. Allow him to do what only, him can, what only he can do. Allow him to work in only a way that he can work. So, Father, we love you, God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your comfort. We thank you, Lord, that we can just cry before you, Lord, and you'll wrap your arms around us. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy in our lives, God. And Father, we submit it all to you. Father, have your way in our lives, in our homes. Father, we just love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue worshiping. We look forward to seeing everybody next week. Uh, if you want to give this morning, the, the ushers will have the offering buckets at the door. You can give there. You can give online. Uh, I'll pray over the offering real quick, and then we'll continue worshiping father we thank you god we love you lord we ask you to bless this offering this morning lord we surrender it all to you use in any way father god father we ask you to bless the gift and the giver in jesus mighty name amen come on let's just sit in his presence